Hello everyone and welcome to Demon Club, Melbourne Demons fan podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Nita Rao, who's lost the dejected expression and is up and about after our first win in four weeks. Nita, how did you feel about the game against Essendon? Pretty conflicted, to be honest, Kieran. The first half was a wonderful exposition of bad kicking, terrible decision-making, and just a litany of turnovers. So, I mean, that was just horrible to watch. <laughs> that was absolutely horrible to watch. What did you think? Yeah, it was pretty bad. But as a Melbourne supporter, I've seen worse than that. I know everyone's saying this is the worst half ever. I defy you to watch... Uh, Melbourne against Adelaide in the wet under Mark Neald, where I think we scored 12 points in the first half. Perhaps. God, that was terrible. Well, I don't know. I mean, look, it wasn't obviously a thumping, so there's that was definitely a positive to it. But it was just it was just bad football all around. I mean, obviously the third quarter was a lot better. So I mean, it's good that they lifted, and then in the fourth quarter they kind of just steadied, and and you know the damage had already been done in that third quarter. But um. Yeah, it was a very odd game. It was I was very conflicted by the end of it. I kind of sat there thinking, you know, I've never been more sure that this team is like very average based on the kicking abilities of everyone in our team. I think I think it's a super harsh assessment. Really? Yeah, I think unlike previous weeks, um, when we played well, we actually capitalised. In that third quarter, we scored I think it was eight goals. Yeah, perhaps. eight goals. Um, they were pretty good goals. We we're moving the ball very smoothly. Uh, we could have even had some more if we had a bit of luck. I think we're just doing what we hadn't been doing for the last three weeks, which is putting the score on when we had the momentum. And that, for me, is a huge positive. No, that is a positive. The third quarter was definitely a positive. It's just the other, you know, particularly the first half, I think was a pretty... It it really did show that Melbourne's got a long way to go before it becomes a team that can actually sort of compete, I think, and and not get blown away by other teams who are, you know, much more skillful than we are. But we're coming off a a five-and-a-half-day break against a team that was playing terribly, and often playing a bad team means you play badly That's true. That's definitely true. Um, I don't know. I reckon you're a little bit harsh on them. I mean, they didn't play great, but they turned it around. Yeah. Um, And we got the win against a team we hate the most. That is true. Thank you, Clancy. Um, We also, I should probably add, I mean, I think we also did have a lot of luck, though. I mean, what are the chances? I mean, Joan Danaher kicked six behinds in one half. Like, sure. that's pretty That's pretty fortunate. Like, he slots a couple of them through, his confidence gets up, and all of a sudden they're on a roll. But you could just as easily say we're incredibly lucky in previous years when yeah. Joe Danaher, Joe unlucky, Danaher unlucky, learned how to kick. Yeah. You know, magically, you just like against six us. six straight against us in 2000. And if, I think I remember it was like 2015. He kicked six straight. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's infuriating. It's so, infuriating. So I think we deserved a reprieve. You know, a reprieve. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, yeah. But so, so look, we, we got the four points, which is crucial because now we're three on three. The season's back on. It's salvaged, yeah, uh, for I, sure. I think if we lost that, it'd be very hard for us to come back. Completely. So at least that confidence would have just been completely shot, I think, as well. Um, no, so this is good. At least we can sort of have a good base to work off. And we're in the eight, just. Yes. So, you know, that's always a little bit of a confidence booster. So, Yeah. Hopefully good times ahead. Well, let's turn to some of the big questions from the weekend. And the first, can the big pedo, Cam Pedersen, hold his spot once Gorn returns? The big boy. The answer to that question is no. Um, Look, I mean, I really liked liked Pedo's sort of attitude. I thought he was, I thought he played really well. He's a good team man, he seems. Um, He seems like a good team man, sorry. But I just, I don't think he'll be able to retain his spot. The reality is, is he's going to have to be a forward when Gorn returns. And I don't think 
he's going to be able to give us enough as a forward um, to, to justify his selection. That being said, I mean, if he does a really good job as a ruckman in the next like couple of weeks, particularly that Spencer's out, maybe, you know, I mean, he's a much better backup op- ruck- ruckman option than Watts. So maybe they will play him for that reason. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think he's definitely got an opportunity because we don't really want Watts as a second ruckman. No. It's not going to stand up in big games against good teams. No. Pedro is actually a really good option. If he can, um, play a bit of a Lee Brown role for Collingwood. Uh, kick a couple of goals, bash in for five to ten minutes a quarter. Give Gorney a break. Give Gorney a break. That's super useful. It means we don't have to play Spencer. He's, yeah. He's not a bad player, but we don't want to have two, two big ruckmen lumbering along the whole game. But will Pedro be able to kick enough goals? Because that's the thing. All of this hinges upon Pedro being able to kick enough goals and take enough marks in the forward line. And I'm just not sure if that will happen. I just think he's got to make a contest. And what he did really well... On the weekend is he hit the packs hard. The ball went to ground pretty often. He did chip in with the goal. But even if he didn't, I think around the ground, he was just making a big contest. And in the past, I think a criticism of Pedro is he sometimes hasn't done that, despite his big frame. Mm. So I was very positive. I mean, obviously, it's just one game. He was yeah. up for it. It doesn't prove uh, that his career is made. Yeah. But I think we do really need that kind of player. We don't want Watts to play that role. We want Watts no, to play as a wingman for forward. Oh, completely. I mean, I like the idea. I've been really happy with Watts being more on the ball. But that being said, I just putting him in the ruck is just way too dangerous. He's going to get eaten alive by some of these bigger guys. And there's no point in risking him for that purpose. He's too skill- He's one of our few skillful players in the team. He does not need to be bashing and crashing in, to right. that extent, at least, I don't think. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I'm very happy for Pedro. I was happy you played a good game. Maybe We've been like, calling for him for a long time. I'm not sure if we've been calling for him. I've been calling for him for a you long time. You have been. Come at the moment. Come at the Pedro for our regular <laughs> listeners out there. It's finally happened and he stood up. And I don't know. I feel bad for Spencer, though. I feel like I feel really bad for Spencer. I know I've never been a big, you know, supporter of Spencer. Yeah, um, you always feel bad for these players once they're out of the team. I know, I do. Play. I do feel bad for them at the time. No, I don't. I, I'm pretty sure I've called for Spencer's head multiple <laughs> times over the years. But look, I really, I do feel sorry for Spencer. He finally got a chance to like, you know, salvage his AFL career and then it just goes down the drain. So, I mean, I'm not sure what's going to happen to his, him now. Right. But yeah. But it, I mean, look, at least Pedro's like starting to show some improvement and channeling Mumford. Right, right. Channeling Mumford. I'm not sure about that channeling Mumford. Bit of a generous comparison. I thought it was very generous. I'm not sure how many, like, you know, he wasn't really like a human wrecking ball out there, <laughs> but like, yeah, anyway. Um, so the next question, Jack Finey. Yes. We've been a little bit critical of him on the podcast. I think I've been pretty critical of him, actually. You have been. Yeah. Did he finally stamp himself as captain this week? You know, one quarter doesn't make it the man, I, I has always been my saying. And I think in that third quarter, I thought he was really good, but I don't know... I just haven't seen enough from him in this season to show that he's really stepping into this role and embracing the role as captain. He's going to be the person that, you know, drags us across the line in all these games. Sure. But, I mean, in this game, that was the game-defining quarter. It was. It was. And, and he, he's, he set up that beautiful goal, goal um, to Tom McDonald. Yeah, the I, I don't think Tom McDonald kicks beautiful goals. Not beautiful goal. Beautiful goal is definitely the wrong word. He it was beautiful play from him. Yes. Or just hard play, rather. Maybe not yeah. beautiful is the wrong word. <laughs> Yes, it was very good play from him. I need to choose my words more carefully on this podcast. Um, but <laughs> yeah, he was no, like a little bulldog. Oh, it ter- was. It was, it was great and... to watch. I don't care. It was beautiful to watch him. He just got straight in there, tore it apart, gave the ball to Oliver, gave the ball to McDonald, who yeah. kicked a very bizarre goal. But Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, obviously he needs to do more, but that, for me, was a match-winning performance at the crucial moment. Uh, and do you my, really think so? You thought it was a match-winning performance? I do, because I feel Interesting. Uh, in the third quarter, the game was finely balanced. Essendon could have been up by more, 
Um, they missed a lot, lot of shots. They looked like they were doing it pretty easy going into their forward line. We need someone to really step up and uh, win a couple of clearances, uh, help us create a couple of goals. And once we got on a bit of a roll, we couldn't be stopped. But I'm not sure we would have gotten that role without Jack Varney. Yeah, that's true. I mean, look, I hope so. Because I, I just don't think he... I think he's been a bit flat this season. He just hasn't even seemed to be finding the... I don't even know what his stats are. I'm, I'm yeah. sure this is what... James Robertson would have been much better on this podcast than me. Um, to tell me what the stats were going to be. But I, I mean, I don't think he has been as influential on games. No, I mean, there's no question his, his numbers are down. Definitely uh, down. But, you know, I mean, it's still early in the season. He plays he Hawthorne next week, which is... Uh, one of his greatest games, possibly his amazing. greatest game. He was amazing in that game. I still think that Gorn should have gotten the three votes, but that's just my opinion. Right. Well, anyway. anyway. So if, if Jack can do that again, that would be brilliant. Um, but let's talk about another little inside extractor. And we love these inside bits on this podcast. Uh, and this is my question, and I appreciate it's a bit of a ridiculous question, it's but I'm just going to say it. Okay, go. Um, could Clary... Clayton Oliver, yes. win, win the Brownlow? No, is the answer to that question. No has been your answer to every question. Well, but there is... I mean, I love Clary. I love him. But I don't think he's going to win a Brownlow. Well, at least this year. I think he will win a Brownlow because I love him and I think he's an amazing player and I think in future years, absolutely, he'll be an absolute superstar. But I don't think this year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he will either because of the time lag effect. The umpires need to get used to him. Yeah. Um, the umpires clearly aren't sympathetic to him given how many... Uh, uh, throwing penalties I would paid like to him. blame Damien Barrett for that I feel like Damien Barrett etched that into the sort of like umpires minds during like an episode of Access All Areas and now they're all just convinced that he's throwing all the time I think it's very unfair anyway it's another reason to love Damien Barrett oh he's the worst but I mean it, he just he's doing everything right he's getting a lot of the ball even when he's not having an amazing game he's still getting 30 he just possessions. racks up so many possessions yeah. it's amazing He's second in the Coaches Award. Yeah, he is. You have a viable argument for being the best inside midfielder in the comp right now. Um, I'd say between him true. and Ollie Wines, I guess you yeah. could call Selwood still an inside midfielder. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, jeez, as an extractor, he's, he's not He's extraordinary. Many he's so extraordinary. I mean, the question is whether or not, and, and this is a, a big question mark I still have over him, will he develop enough of an outside game to become a true superstar of the competition? Right, right. What do you think? It's hard to tell because, I mean... He just does not kick. He, he just will not kick. And it was extraordinary. On the weekend, it was funny that they were comparing his numbers to Zach Merritt's numbers. Mm. And Zach Merritt just loves to kick. Like, most right. of his possessions are kicks. And, like, pretty much most of all of his possessions are handballs. It's funny. They're, like, the complete polar opposites. Yeah. I'd like to think that Oliver is just playing his role at the moment. He's been told to see the ball, get the ball, and handball the ball. Uh, that seems to be the philosophy. Um and, I mean, he's not a bad kick. I don't think he'll ever be an incredible kick, but he's a perfectly solid kick. Well, we just enough. don't know. I just don't even think I see him enough, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I really can't – I can't say – I wouldn't know anything about Oliver's goal-kicking action. I would know nothing about, like, his, you know – or sorry, his goal-kicking routine. But I would know nothing about, for example, his just – even his field-kicking. I just don't see it. I never see it. Right. So, it's I, for me, it's hard to even, like, you know – sort of sit there thinking into the future if he'll be an amazing kick or not because I just don't even think he ever chooses that option right. which is what's the I think that's a little bit concerning for me I, I feel like I want to see him at least use like that chink in his armor like instead of he just kind yeah. of well we don't know if it's a chink but yeah, yeah. We don't know if it's yeah. A chink, yeah. yeah I agree but I think that'll evolve naturally I think the point is he's doing the hard stuff the stuff that's meant to be the most difficult for a young player he's doing it he's winning a contested ball he's racking up possessions um, he's only had a couple of preseasons. I reckon 
if they want him to make him an outside player or more of an outside player, they will. Well, he's lost weight. He's lost weight. So, I mean, hopefully <laughs> hopefully that's step one in becoming more of an outside player. Uh, well, on that note, I think it's time to, uh, for our famous Rowan Bale Award for the most underrated performance. Um, and we can all remember Rowan Bale's best goal, uh, a game against Port Adelaide where he stuck the boot out, the ball bounced at right angles and went through. Just like Rowan Bale's journey, he bounced in and out of the team. You're always hoping that something was better to come. And maybe it didn't, but the journey was worth it. Where do you come up with this stuff? <laughs> Look, Rowan Bale's on my mind far too often. Clearly, yeah. But I think the obvious option for the Rowan Bale Award is Big Cam Petto. But I don't think he deserves it. And can I tell you why? Why? Cam Pedersen was given the Fox footy interview. He was talked up as being one of the best rock performances of the week. I don't think he's underrated. I think he got a lot of credit. And you hate that, don't you? It's just not the spirit of the Roland Bale. It's one. not the spirit Roland of Roland Bale. Roland Bale has never been interviewed by Fox Footy, I can tell you. I'm sure he was. I think he, he was interviewed by his concussion. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that's not like the same as being interviewed yeah, for in like no, a... Any non-debilitating injury yeah, issue, okay, fine, he has point. not been interviewed. Well, okay, fine. I take your point. So my nomination for the award is a bit of a left field option. Go. Simon Goodwin. Simon Goodwin. Simon and why Goodwin. Simon Goodwin, Kieran? Well... I think Simon Goodwin's coaching this week uh, in his selection was phenomenal. I think the decision to bring back Oscar McDonald was genius because it freed The us. decision to bring back Oscar McDonald was genius. I know it's an unusual These statement. These are words which are going on record. The decision to bring back Oscar McDonald was genius. Hear me out because what Here it did go. is it freed up Tom McDonald to be a third tall, uh, a rebounder, occasionally a ruckman. Mm. And Tom McDonald, and I've said this many times, is not... A, a key one-on-one -on -one defender. He's not a gorilla. Over the years, he's gotten destroyed by Jack Rewalt, by, by Nick Rewalt, by Hawkins. Um, he even got destroyed by Joe Danaher. By Joe Danaher, by Travis Cloak, because he's just not that great a one-on-one -on -one defender. He's not big enough. But he's a phenomenal... Well, who is he, he beaten? No, I, I, let's push back on that. So, I mean, he's beaten, for example, Buddy. Has he beaten Buddy? I mean, Buddy hasn't kicked a lot of goals, but Buddy's also been pretty inaccurate when he's played us. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm not for a minute disputing that Tom McDonald's an excellent player. I just don't think he's a gun one-on-one -on -one key defender. He's a third defender. His best position to me is to be like Josh Gibson, which is a brilliant intercept player who can Reach sprint really well. and kick. Yeah. And by bringing Oscar McDonald's... I'm not sure about the kicking. I'm not sure about well, the... Yeah. <laughs> it's not Gibson-esque kicking, but yeah, maybe exactly. one day. But by bringing in Oscar McDonald, he played on hooker. Yeah. Uh, Sam Frost, who I think has quickly become our best one-on-one -on -one defender. Oh, I definitely think so. He's just got the size, and he's just so quick. Called it's for by the podcast. Yes, Kieran, you were all on. You were on to Sam Frost a while ago. Good, um, but yeah, he he can do it all as a one-on-one -on -one defender. Um, and Tom McDonald is freed up, and I think that's the structure that's going to win us a final. It's interesting. Well, we'll see how it works this week. Yes, I appreciate I've called this after one game. You are but... calling this after one game. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, Kieran. I think I think particularly, I love Sam Frost's pace in the back line. Mm. He was quicker than Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody at one stage. Yeah. And I was shocked by that. Every... He's a jet. He's so quick. And he tackles to kill. He is brutal. He is brutal. He's yeah. like, you can see, he's an amazing athlete. Yeah. And he still does some like baffling things. He'll drop the ball with no one near him and he'll... <laughs> Run, run like a deer in headlights, but I don't know. There's something about it. 
What is it, Kieran? It's something intoxicating. You it's just you're intoxicated you're by Sam Frost. You're on the edge of your seat at all moments That's true. Sam Frost. And, I and love you it. don't know what you're going to get. It's a mystery box for Sam Frost. <laughs> it's a mystery box. At the moment, it's it's coming up very nicely. So I think Simon Goodwin, who probably hasn't um, won the hearts of Melbourne fans yet. I think everyone's kind of just waiting and watching. I don't think people are really sure what to expect with him. And I'm right. not sure either, to be honest. I mean, I thought those three losses were all brutal because all of them were the most winnable games. Right. Like in every single one of those games, we should have won. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, I appreciate that it's not his fault that we lost those three games, but it does wonder, make you wonder, has his team even improved? That's what I. That was the question I had. So when I was, you know, forced into sitting on the sidelines of the reserves for a week um, on this podcast, I did sit there thinking, has this team improved? Has Simon Goodwin taken this team from being a, you know, team of talented youngsters to being a team that's actually going to be consistently performing during the home and away season to get us into the finals? And look, I still don't know what the answer to that question is. Right. I don't know. It's still undetermined, but I thought his coaching was very clever Without a huge amount of options, I think. Yeah, I, think he did really I agree. Well. He's he's having a very tough run as a, as you know as someone who's in a first time coach with the injury list that we have and to the key players that we have. I mean, it's it's been brutal. Right, right. Okay, so props to Simon Goodwin. Uh, now it's time for another segment that we haven't run for a couple of weeks, but by popular demand. Who is demanding this? Look, we don't need to name sources. Okay. Uh, the Damien Barrett Award. For outstanding achievement in the field of football journalism. Um, and this is one of your favourite awards, Nita. Why don't you introduce the listeners to Damien Barrett? Damien Barrett is probably one of the worst journalists that's ever walked this earth. This earth? Yeah. I'm actually going to say this earth. He's just, he's so bad. He publishes nonsense and he publishes unsubstantiated rumours with like literally no support except for anything but his own benign opinions. So there is my very scathing uh, introduction to this segment. So, so, so the award for outstanding achievement is obviously highly coveted. Highly case, coveted, in, yeah, in the yeah. Football industry. Only to the only to the best journalists, yeah. And and this week's award goes to AFL.com.au uh, for this hard hitting segment on Jaden Hunt's headband. Bear with us. Let's play the clip. Well, he's fast becoming a cult figure, and Melbourne's Jaden Hunt believes he's changing the game with his new headband. League headquarters has backflipped, allowing the 22-year-old to keep his free-flowing locks in check on the field. He spoke exclusively to Ben Guthrie. Yeah, really good by the AFL to realise that um, it's an opportunity just to change the game a bit. And I think like it's good for the young young fans and stuff, that bit of colour in the game. Yeah. Did you have to go through a certain process to, to make sure that happened? Did you have to like write a letter or, or something like that? Yeah, I was in the process of an email. I was actually not going to wear it Anzac Day, but then, yeah, the AFL came to me before the game and said, yeah, um, yeah, we understand that it helps you as a player and brings brings a bit of colour to the game. So they they approved it just before the Richmond game last week, which, yeah, I was stoked about. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Speaking exclusively to Ben Guthrie about his headband. I'd love to know the process of sending an email involved. You think oh, you're just sitting God. over the keyboard with his head? Just headband. bring a bit of colour to the game. What is this? He's really changing the game. Changing the question. game. This is a real game changer. This is. This just shows sometimes the AFL really need to just manufacture stories from absolutely nothing. And that was the top agenda that item. That was the top the agenda page. item. Yes, Unbelievable. exactly. Unbelievable. We still love it. Congratulations, yes. Maddie Thompson, AFL.com. Congratulations, Ben Guthrie, for that hard-hitting interview. <laughs> All right, mates. So let's get to this week's round against Hawthorne. Um, 
Who are the internets this week? So look, I mean, I think Kennedy Harris didn't perform again, and I don't. I think he just needs time in the reserves. So I think he needs. He's, to he's go had out. plenty of time in the reserves. Yeah, that's true. I think that's true. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe he's still struggling with the effects of his broken arm or whatever happened to him. Is that right? Maybe he's just playing badly. Well, that's also an option. Look, I don't know. Look, I'm trying to be charitable here, Kieran. Anyway, um, Kennedy Harris, I think, needs to have some time in the reserves. Uh, I'm not sure what, how much Bug did and how much he contributed to the team. I just don't really think he was that. I don't think he made much of an impact. I don't even really remember him, to be honest. No, he set up a goal. He, well, he nearly messed it up, and then he set up a goal in the last quarter. Uh, so that was something. But, that was uh, something. And... Uh, yeah, I don't think he's had much impact. Um, I, I think I think Kent should come in for Kennedy Harris. Yeah. I think it was a mistake to drop Kent in the first place. Uh, no, I know you do. Uh, well, I mean, and he played well in the VFL this week. I, mean, I, I just think get him back in. I mean, Kennedy Harris, I hope, will get back in. I don't think he's a bad player, but he's had two quiet weeks. And yeah. considering... Um, you know, our forward line issues. We need our small forwards to all be firing. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And you looked, I mean, I watched the highlights of the Saints game last week against Hawthorne. It just looked like they just destroyed them with the pace in the forward right. line. So, exactly. I mean, if we can get Kent in, he, that's that's what he brings to the team. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's a big question mark now about Jesse Hogan and whether he yes. plays. And let's, we just want to take this moment to obviously send our thoughts to Jesse's family. That's just of course. completely devastating. Yeah. And, you know, I can't even imagine what what he's gone through as a 22-year-old kid having to endure all this tragedy. It's horrible. Right, right. And I thought the revelation this week that was particularly remarkable was that um, he found out about the immediacy of his father's cancer diagnosis just before the Carlton game. Yeah. Um, which makes his, you know, seemingly undisciplined strike much more understandable. Oh, I just, I mean, uh, it puts everything into much more context now, doesn't it? Right, but I, yeah. I just think... And I guess it's a good reminder as a fan... Um, when taking pot shots at players, that there might be personal factors you don't really yeah, see. Yeah, completely, completely. Um, but uh, uh, pot yeah. shots will still be taken on the Deluded podcast. Yes. Um, and, I mean, it would be great if Hogan comes in. Obviously, you know, he deserves as long as he needs, even if he needs another month or two months. Oh, I don't think the club would completely, care. completely, absolutely. But, I mean, considering he, he trained, I mean, I would yeah. expect he probably would play if he's coming to train. Yeah, you know? maybe that's the case. I mean, I, I guess it's just it's sort of... I mean, just how he's feeling on Thursday, really. I mean, if he feels like he's up to it, then mm. then he'll play. And if he's not, he's not. But, you right. know, I think the club has been really good about it as well. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's good to see the amount of support. And I thought that Watsy spoke really well after the game last mm. week about how how much the win meant to Hogan and how much it meant to his teammates to be there for him. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's other players um, on the remaining ends who could come in. Uh, Wagner played a good game. I think he's a useful player, but I don't know if there's a real spot for him. I don't really know what the spot is, to be honest. Um, ben Kennedy's playing solidly. You love Ben Kennedy, don't I you? I do love Ben Kennedy. Um, and I think, you know, if, if you're going to swap out Bug, Ben Kennedy's like a decent... Someone else who doesn't use the ball that well but tries hard. Oh, okay, which that's that, like that all our entire slot, team. Yeah, our that team. little slot in our team. Oh, you mean the best 22? <laughs> I see. Um, yeah. Yeah, and there's always Trend Gove. There is always There's always Jack Trengo. There's always a third emergency slot oh, to be filled. Oh, no. It's so sad. Anyway, well, we hopefully we'll see Trengo out there soon as well. Yeah. So, Nates, do we beat Hawthorne? Look, I think we have a much better midfield, and Hawthorne are obviously playing appallingly. The ruck issue is my real concern. Yeah. You know, Gorn just completely destroyed them last year. Right. Um, it was beautiful to watch. That was definitely beautiful to watch. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I think McAvoy will just have an absolute field day. Yeah. I think the question is whether or not we still manage to capitalize enough on the fact that our midfield is going to be well and truly on top of theirs. I mean, I mean, Tom Mitchell's obviously had a great season, but yeah. I can't think of any other Hawthorne midfielder who was... Chegro American barely run. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think he's struggling, isn't he? Yeah. Or he's laboring. And the annoying thing is that Cyril and Virtual are coming back just for this game, which is yeah. pretty frustrating. It's kind of ominous. It's kind of ominous. It's got, the, it's got the sort of, you know, sniff of a terrible, you know, yeah. loss for us. But, I mean, look, I think we should win. I, I don't know how confident I am. I think we should. It's certainly not a lock. I no. mean, our injury issues are a problem. Um, if, you know... If Hogan doesn't play, our forward line is still cobbled together, kind of piecemeal. If Hogan does play, I mean, who knows what kind of mental state he'll be in. Yeah. I think this could go either way. I, I'd be very happy if we managed to scrap out a, a you know, 10, 15-point win. I know people are saying we should be smashing Hawthorne. I still think they've got enough class there that if they put it together, they're going to be quite challenging. Um, my tip is that we'll win, but not by a huge amount, by about really? 15 points. Yeah. yeah, I think I have probably a little bit more confidence in that. Right. Um, I, I, just, I think our midfield is just vastly superior to that midfield. I think they've got a real problem in terms of like the not simply not being enough people who are going to extract the ball. Right. And I just I question again. One thing you can say about our midfield is that they are extractors. So right. that's um I, I, I yeah I think we'll definitely win in the midfield battle. The question is whether or not we can just be classy enough going forward. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the D's to beat Hawthorne. Yes. We're unanimous on this. Uh, and that's it for this week's episode of Deluded. Uh, we'll be in your podcast feed a couple of days after every game. Please do email us with comments to deluded1964 at gmail.com. Yes. We've had a couple of emails already and we appreciate them. Uh, send in your nominations for the famous Rowan Bale Award or the, Ro- or the Damien Barrett Award. Um, and please let us know if there are any other awards that you think we should be you know, handing out on this coveted uh, podcast. Yeah, please do our work for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, tweet us at deludedpodcast. Uh, and we'll be, we'll see you after the Hawthorne game. Go Dees. Go Dees.